Hey, everybody. With the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suters. We are the owners and producers of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet. And not coincidentally, it is underway as we speak. The show runs through this Friday, January 11th, here in Las Vegas, and we are helping you to be CES ready. All this week, from the show floor, we are bringing you media roundtables. These are conversations with the journalists who cover CES, and many of whom have done so for years and years, and they're discussing how the show is framing the year ahead in technology. So today, a wrap-up from day one and our media roundtable from the show floor of CES 2019. because I've already been made fun of several times, but I think the rolling, the LG's rolling TV is still cool. It was cool when I saw it demoed a couple years ago, and then it was a little closer to reality, and a little closer to reality. Saw it this year, it's an actual thing. I felt like they could have just had like the, the SKU sticker on the back and it was ready for sale. And people are actually going to buy it this year. And they added some... They're way past the point where they're saying... Look at, they weren't even focusing on the fact that it can roll. They're like, yeah, 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 it can roll. But look at this other thing it can do where we bring it down to like only 25% of the screen is popping out and you can play music and make it an entertainment center. And so I, I, I have a question I, about that because I haven't gotten into the show before at all. So you're going to answer all my questions. Is it just a t- is it a display? Is it what form that is it coming? Are we going to have smartphones that roll? Probably. But um, the one that they have now is just—it's just a giant rolling TV. Yeah. Okay. I was over at San, so uh, a lot of the cool stuff that I saw was in the health and the wellness arena, um, and uh, particularly in the parenting and the baby sphere. I think it's a really exciting time. It's still in its nascence, um, but there's some really smart ideas and products coming to market to help uh, around fertility, around tracking. And then once you have the baby and it is the scariest time in your entire life, uh, some products that are designed to help make that time a little calmer, a little simpler, and take a little bit of the, the fear out of it. So that's a really exciting area for me here. And I have to say, I think once the LG price comes down a little bit more, I'll be a little bit more jazzed about it. But. <laughs> Uh, so we might actually have to fight because I think that the, uh, the Samsung wow. Wall TV is, to me personally, a little more interesting than the rollable TV, uh, just because the idea of being able to, you know, modularize the television, put it on a wall, and just choose your size and fit the size of the TV to the size of the wall that you want, and just 
it's like um, it's like Sonos speakers. Like you buy one, and like, well, someday I'll be richer, and I'll be able to get two, and put a third one in another room. And so you can just like start with a small TV, and then when you get a raise, you can just make it a little bit bigger. Just have like three more monitors. I to it. I agree. Super cool. But do you think it's actually going to work? I'm curious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. We we have seen actually a bunch of like micro LED stuff. Uh, Corsair is they they make like the you know gaming PC parts. Uh, they are really proud of themselves because they bought an entire production line for making micro LEDs so your RAM could light up because uh, that's an important thing to have. It's really tiny, yeah, right? really yeah. really tiny. Um, and so there's something happening with micro LEDs that it is going to become legitimate. The question is. You know, when Samsung says you can go out and buy it, how, how much do they really mean that? And how long will it be until you could actually go out and really buy it? Because I think that saying there's real consumer availability this year, technically it's true, but in actuality I think it's going to be a little bit longer. And the rollable TV is probably a little bit closer to being achievable for a regular consumer. Well, my, my skepticism, hairs on the back of my neck went up when they said that the TV would have infinite resolution. And I thought, well, that, that's cool because maybe, you know, if I was watching Star Wars and I always kind of wanted to know, like, what's on the other side of the Millennium Falcon off-camera? If I just keep adding TV, <laughs> will I be able to see, like, around yeah, to the back? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the question is, can they, like, increase processing power? Like, that's, that's always the problem with all smart TVs, right? You buy a smart TV, how long will it be good enough to be able to run the apps you want, blah, 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 blah. But if the thing is modular in the first place, theoretically... You'll, one of the panels will be whether the CPU is, and you'll just swap that one out. Yeah, to that point, I say yes. It's just a matter of how long. Is it going to be this year? Probably not. Is it going to be a little longer for commercial availability? Yes. Yeah. But is it going to happen? Yes. That's two yeses. It's happening. So, guys, I am kind of amazed that in this show that is really a mecca for televisions, but it is so much more than televisions. The two of the three of you went first to the TVs. I mean, that is probably what CES is like but there's so many other companies here, non-traditional players that are on the show floor. So beyond the sort of traditional, what we think of as tech, what have you seen that uh, they're using? You you were at Tech West this morning. I was there too. And it's crazy how much stuff is going on over there. I love that there is a Tech West now, that there's a Tech East now, that there, there was such a demand for more space for all these companies. And we were talking before about Eureka Park, all these hidden gems down there. And it continues to grow. And for those of you who haven't been there, it's startup land and you equated it to a science fair, which I think is the perfect equation for it. Um, and that's a really exciting space. And there may not be a thousand companies that you're going to find that are going to come to fruition, but there are definitely a handful in there that are super exciting. Um, that 1,200 startups in Eureka Park this year. I mean, you can totally get lots of there. That's way too many for me to cover. <laughs> around the world, 50 countries. Yeah. So you come to CBS to see it all. I guess the, the most interesting thing to me, um, P&G has a, a little gadget uh, with a display, and it can take your picture and like scan your skin. Um, but what, what age were you? What age? What age? What age? Yeah, it, was gives I? You, it gives you an age. We're not going to discuss my age <laughs> on stage here. Um, but the better part about it wasn't the face scanning stuff, because uh, like I don't know if I really trust that. It was it had a system for logging what makeup you use, and uh, you know you could also keep notes and track like what the ingredients were. So that when you want to go buy some new skincare product that comes out, you'll be able to look back at your history and be like, oh, this is relatively similar to this thing I tried a year ago. 
and it sucks, so I'm not going to do this, or it was great, so I'm going to try this new thing. Because uh, it's, you know, keeping a logbook of, you know, all of your, your the beauty products that you use is a huge pain, and there's the, the stuff I like that you're so telling quickly. me this is a huge pain. Well, I mean, Let me tell you, it is a huge pain. Yeah. No, I was, I was really impressed. It was like, it's a, a real practical problem that, like, if you just pay, uh, direct your tech in the direction of things that people actually have to worry about, that you can solve something smart. And I've seen that whole space, the beauty and makeup space, getting smart. Just between last year and this year, I think last year maybe I, we saw one product. Was it Neutrogena? I was making a baby last year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not That's, I'm that's not, what I'm you not were sure. manufacturing. But. <laughs> um, uh, but now there's like seven or eight of those products. And similarly, you were talking about the smart baby stuff earlier. I remember when the, the, the temp track little Band-Aid thing that you put on a baby, that was three years ago, and now there's about 25 companies at TechWest, and I'm trying to figure out which one of these is actually going to be the best, because they're all just slight shades of variation from one to the other. I think a lot of them are differentiating themselves with the user interface, and then also, from a diagnostic perspective, what they're providing the user. So, for me, it's not just knowing, okay, my child has a 98-degree fever, but also being able to track, let's say, in the bed, how they're sleeping and their breathing and all these things, and being able to predict your child's probably going to have a cold in 24 hours. That's useful for me, to be able to know that and you know figure out my day and my schedule around that and informing me you should go see the doctor or something like that. So I think when a lot of them in that ecosystem are starting to play together, and you're getting more of a rich, robust information and that I can then serve that up to my doctor well, or something, that's where it's getting interesting and, to me. And yet, it's still really, I think the biggest challenge is interoperability. That, you know, none of them saying are, this every none year of them are on the same platform. Yeah. yeah, And they all want to develop their own app, which is, you know, it's cool. I'm sure it's fun to develop an app, but this one doesn't talk to this one, doesn't talk to this one. And then... So on the subject of interoperability, that has actually been the best surprise for me at CES this year, which is it seems like a whole bunch of competitors are willing to work with each other's stuff. Uh, you are getting devices that have both Alexa and Google Assistant, and uh, the biggest Maybe surprise even Airplay show, on Airplay is on all these yeah, TVs yeah. out of nowhere. Sam, Samsung and, and iTunes, that was, yeah. that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I was really, really, it's, it seems minor, but I'm sure... To be a fly on the wall in those meetings when they were putting that deal together. I was just picturing them hugging each other and a warm <laughs> embrace and nice music in the background. Well, not to get too in the weeds, but the, the deals are interesting. So Samsung has uh, iTunes and Bixby can talk to iTunes, uh, but it doesn't have full HomeKit. And then everybody else has AirPlay, but they don't have the iTunes app. And then, can, can we all just pause for a moment and realize that they're calling it the iTunes app? For a thing that's on TV, which is really fascinating, like yeah. there's there's something very very interesting happening with these companies and the way that they have decided to work together that is different than like the standards wars we've had in the past. Yeah, last year's secret cabal was it was a really successful meeting, <laughs> the one in the Cayman Islands. So I want to take a step back for a minute and think about a lot of the products and technologies you've talked about. A lot are you know pinned to artificial. I'm wondering whether, is that the buzzword that you would say for CES 2019? And how are you seeing it play out? Where do you think it's going to be most useful for consumers? I'm, 
I keep going back to healthcare, but I really think that it's the area that stands to improve the most. Uh, we have a really reactionary healthcare system right now, but to create one that is going to be proactive and informing people before they have it so that they can take preventative care, I think that that's a really great example of AI being put to really smart use. Um, AI is definitely a buzzword. It's an umbrella term for a lot of other things that are actually happening, whether it be machine learning, you know, all this processing that's happening on the back end. It's like a synonym for Wi-Fi. For everything, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's 8K, it's 5G, it's all these things all in one. Um, but again, I think that that's an area that has a, a, a lot of growth and a lot of opportunity that you're going to see some real true benefits in. I mean, the second Apple puts an ECG monitor on your wrist, and it has fall detection, and it becomes something that's really uh, consumer-facing for mass market, it's really going to start changing the needle. So in five years, we're going to have sensors over us that are going to be able to you know, provide such a rich treasure trove of information. Um, you're going to have so many more data points outside of the doctor than you are in the doctor, and what does that then mean for creating a, you know, a total health persona for who you are? Well, t- to that point, at what point is the is professional medicine going to start accepting the word of these consumer devices? I mean, you, you recently did some good reporting on that with the, um, the EKG on the, um, on on the, the Apple new, Watch. On the Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so near as I can tell, the, the best research on what do we think of the, this, the consumer-grade stuff like the EKG and the Apple Watch is use it if you really, you know, with, in collaboration with your doctor, um, but don't, don't try and just call your doctor every time it shows you something weird. You know, do the basic stuff of like take care of your heart, go to the doctor when you need to. Do the eye well. part of the AI yeah, yourself. Exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and because there's a concern about too many false positives actually causing a stress on the traditional healthcare system. Um, but nobody is taking the data from these consumer grade things as like a diagnostic tool to immediately go to surgery or prescribe some medicine or something. It's more like a screening tool of okay, well, this thing indicates that there might be something wrong. I'm going to go and get tested by a professional using more professional equipment, and then we can see what we're going to do with it. And the amazing thing about that is it's allowing older adults to age in the face. You know, I work with my parents who are getting older, living on their own, and I, I'm really excited about the things that I can install in the house to watch them remotely, and then they can watch themselves from me. They feel a little bit more in control when someone's tracking what's going on. Do you have some, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about products that you actually own or if that is only for the three of us, but do you have some stuff that for aging parents in place that you really funny, like? My, both my parents, my father is prone to fall, so he, um, but they, my mother just got her first smartphone. She just got a and so I'm waiting for her to start asking about AI. Let me know that it was truly wrong. How's her emoji game? Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> um, but um, if the fall detection and it alerts me when something's happening in home, I live yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff for the aging in place, but I didn't see much that was new this year. I saw the the shoes that detect if you fall, and there was a belt that oh, detected yeah. if you fall, but I think I saw those last year. Last too. year there was a belt in the Rink Park that expanded like a, a mini airbag. Yes. Yeah. I think to the point, though, that we still have several years out. You need to do the research. They need to then compare it to other sensors that are you know, commercial and hospital grade and see how they're doing and react to that. We're, we're not even remotely close to that, but asking about an area that has uh, you know, 
the potential to be huge and to be really influential, that's a space that I think you know all of us can unanimously say it, it's ripe for innovation, and there will be changes happening. It's not today. Yeah, and my hope is that, uh, I mean, regulation or at least like standards uh, that companies will agree on on ensuring privacy for all that data that's being collected about your health. Uh, ensuring that it is staying in a place where you expect it to, that it's not leaking out, you know, to get sold to, you know, random advertiser, you know, 10 down the list. Um, I think that the technology is moving faster than our understanding of what that data is, what people could use it for, and where it could go. So that really needs to catch up to where the gadgets are. And I, I, so I was just going to say to that point, a lot of the startups that if they wind up going belly up, then what happens? They're selling it to advertisers. You know, people don't know, and I think that that's one of the, the biggest causes of concern. It's well, not necessarily what they're doing in this moment, but what's going to happen in a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, going to affect my insurance? Is it going to affect where I get a job and all those things? So I do. That, that does seem in, inevitable to a certain point, though, because even though the technology is moving very quickly, the ability to create revenue from it that's not moving all that quickly. You know, you're either selling pla- pieces of plastic with microchips in it, or you're selling data and or, or IP. And if I guess if you go belly up, you could sell two of the three. Yeah. yeah. I think as consumers, we have given this general opt-in that as long as you're providing a utility for me and you're giving me real value, I'm willing to give you information over and I'm willing to give up my privacy to an extent. But when it comes to healthcare, I think that that's an area where it's a red flag for people that they're not as willing, they're not as open, and it is more of the Wild West. So you'll give up your Netflix viewing history, but Very not your heartbeat. Very much so, easily, happily. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying this, but I've also donated blood, urine saliva, I have my like genomic code, everything's laid out for me, so I've opted into quite a bit, uh, it's out there in the ether, so we'll see, I, I did my uh, biome to find out potential makeups that would be better suited for me, given the climate and given the conditions I'm in right now, um, so it's interesting where it's going, uh, within health and also within beauty, which we were talking about before relating it all back to the environment, to your actual body and the things that are going on inside of it, it's a really fascinating space to me I want to note that this year, for the first time, medical professionals and doctors at CES can earn continuing medical education credit. Just a really incredible thing. It shows that the medical community wants to learn about these technologies and taking them seriously. It's going to make them do their jobs better. Another technology that doctors are using and others are VR and AR. They're using it in surgery. They're using it in practice for surgery. I'm wondering if you've seen anything new in AR, VR, mixed reality that you want to share with everyone. Throwing it over to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, <laughs> I yeah, either way. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to check out the new HTC Vive headset, uh, but I'm really excited to go and look at that. I think that um, both uh, HTC and Oculus disclosure, my wife works for Oculus, um, are are moving really fast this year to have full inside-out tracking and get more processing power in a VR headset, so that you don't have to be tethered to a computer. Um, but the the the, the question of VR this year, I think, is the question that has, there's been for VR for the past four years is, you know, get it out of the, I'll use it for 15 minutes for a demo, into a, like a, a utility that exists for like 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. Um, I, I think like, medical things might be interesting for that. Uh, gaming is clearly a place for that. Um, but, uh, there, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but is there a quote-unquote killer app for VR? We've been asking that since the outset. 
and we still don't have an obvious answer. There's lots of potential answers, there's lots of pretty good answers, but there's no like obvious answer that everybody knows yet. I'm still in the 15-minute demo mode, and I was over at the Sony booth yesterday playing around with the game, and it was fun, and you know, I could see, like, I have a four-year-old, and I could see him enjoying it for a couple minutes, although... I think he's, he's too young. To. He's, yeah, yeah, he's not supposed to. But man, I really want him to because it's it's fun. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's kind of. Weird. I would watch a VR movie, but they, it has. It can't just be a VR movie. It has to be a good movie with an interesting story, and that, that hasn't happened yet. Um, on the AR side, uh, I guess the most interesting thing I'm seeing here is uh, North is here. They they do AR, AR glasses. It, it, it puts a. It puts just a single, pretty static display in front of your eye about here, and they look relatively normal. Uh, they've got a, a showcase store in Toronto and Brooklyn, uh, and so they should be shipping, I think, pretty soon, based on the suitcase of glasses they're carrying around for people to try. Are they here in, L- in LVCC or over I, in Texas? They West? might be in the LVCC. They were at the Pepcom show last night for sure, so they're, I don't know, they're around. They've been, they've been wandering around. Um, and that, to me, is more compelling than the full-on VR experience, because it... It doesn't interfere with your life. You can just if the, if, if the battery dies on the things, you still have glasses, <laughs> and so that's useful. I, I have to say, I think VR for us, we're spoiled. We live in a really amazing environment where really cool things in real life. That virtual reality is probably not as enticing to us as somebody who, let's say, lives in the middle of the country and doesn't have access to all the amazing things that we do. So I think that the potential is really there for VR, but it's harder for people like us to see who get access to this world, um, where AR, I think, has a lot of really interesting applications. It's, it's clear to see the potential for that, whether it be a heads-up display or kind of screens just being able to do so much more these days that I think that, the like you're saying, the killer app is so much clearer in that space, whereas for VR, we haven't yet seen it. So we only have a couple minutes left, which is a bummer, because I'm enjoying this and I'm learning a lot from you. I want to know where you're headed where you're going after this stage, what you're going to check out. And you'll have a group of people following you. <laughs> I think we should do a field trip. Everybody can follow all of us. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to I actually did show floor tours for a while. So uh, I'm a professional. I'm licensed. I can walk you guys around both the convention center and San Zaria with my eyes closed. Uh, I, I mean, I got to go I gotta go write some stuff. Uh, so that'll that'll be the very next thing. Uh, and then... Perfect. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I felt like we were all going to say work, and yeah. it was going to be boring. No, I'm 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 going to head back out to the show floor, and I'm going to I'm going to see if I can look at the auto section because I haven't had enough chance to really engage with the auto side of the show yet, and so that's my next thing. I am probably going to go over to the wall of TVs over there, <laughs> and then um, Garmin had a new um, had a had a new fitness watch with LTE in it, which I want to check out, and then it I also wanna... has fall detection, I think. Oh, cool. And then um, maybe go back to Tech West because I'm trying to find if there's is there one really great STEM learning toy. There's a bunch of them. They all seem kind of the same. Yeah. I'm looking for the standout one. Okay. You have a four-year-old and just a four-year-old. A, okay, just a four-year-old. We'll talk out. We'll I have talk. A four-year-old afterwards. and a headache. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us today on stage. Uh, I hope you have a really amazing rest of your show, and I hope our pass cross on show floor. Thank, thank you. you so much. 
Okay, now you still have time to be CES ready, and we're here to help. You can download the CES app. You can build your personal agenda, highlight your favorite exhibitors and speakers. You can also sync in time across all your devices. And new this year, you can connect to your LinkedIn accounts and see which connections of yours are also in Las Vegas at CES. The show runs through this Friday, January 11th here in Las Vegas. The information you need is at ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our podcasting stars, producer Tina Anthony and engineer John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. Thanks so much for being with us here at CES. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.